0: Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet?
1: No. It's a pretty cool place, if you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Are you guys sniffing old newsprint or something? You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't know shit, buddy. Yeah. You think we just work in a comic book store for our folks, huh? Actually, I thought it was a bakery.
2: This is just our cover. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. All right. Hey, man,
1: read this. I told you, I don't like horror
2: comics. Think of it more as a survival manual. There's a number on the back. And pray you never need to call us.
1: I'll pray I never need to call you.
2: the helpless victim okay let's see no please don't kill me mr ghostface i want to be in the sequel
3: i like to dissect girls did you know i'm utterly insane
4: You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another blood-sucking installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 287, The Lost Boys.
0: We discussed before the show that we will not be giving our rankings of this franchise, nor Joel Schumacher movies as a whole.
3: No, probably not.
0: <laughs> Neither warn it.
3: He has some good movies, but... yeah. Some bad ones, too.
0: I will say, watching this now, revisiting it, I was like, man, I'm digging some of the Joel Schumacher stuff here. Yeah. There's promise here.
3: Yeah, I mean, he was coming off of St. Elmo's Fire, I believe, right? Did
0: he do this? Okay. I didn't know know that was him.
3: See, you don't know what you're talking about. No, (laughs)
0: no. I know this in the Batman movies. I don't really know what else. I'm sure I've seen it because I have seen St. Elmo's Fire.
3: We're, of course, talking about the 1980s. 87 classic The Lost Boys. But before we do, let's remind everyone to follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you find us. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you'd like a free sticker, let us know on Twitter and we'll send that out to you. And finally, you can find us on Letterboxd, Zach1983. And Matt Crosby. The Lost Boys came out in 1987. It was directed by Joel Schumacher. Screenplay by Janice Fisher, Jeffrey Bohm, and James Jeremias. Okay. Story by Fisher and Jeremiah. It was a big hit in the summer of 87. The budget was $8.5 The box office $32.2 It carries with it a long legacy of cult classic status. It's a movie that people have remembered and latched on
0: Yeah. It's a cool idea. Has a unique feel to it.
3: Yeah. It's very much the prototypical MTV yeah. movie of that era. Very slick, cool, sexy. A lot of video montage in it that feels like a music video. True. Stuff like that.
0: Roller coasters. Wooden roller coasters in the mix.
3: The title of the film is a reference to the Lost Boys in J.M. Barry's stories about Peter Pan and Neverland, who, like vampires, never grow up. Just as simple as that. They go hand in hand.
0: Yeah, that's a cool idea, though. You could go a lot of different ways with this title. I think it it gives it a little bit of a nice flair.
3: In March of 1985, first-time screenwriters Janice Fisher and James Jeremiah sold the script for the Lost Boys, for 400K, the central themes were built on allusions to the Peter Pan material, and it was initially very much modeled on The Goonies from 1985. Richard Donner, who directed The Goonies, was originally set to direct The Lost Boys. The vampires were going to be 13 or 14 years old, and the Frog Brothers around 8 years old. Star was initially a young boy. Huh. When Donner bounced and went on to direct Lethal Weapon, Joel Schumacher steps in and envisions something much sexier and also a little more adult. He brings on Jeffrey Bohm, who wrote Straight Time, Ooh. The Dead Zone, yeah. Inner Space to that point, and then later The Last Crusade and Lethal Weapons Two and Three.
0: Oh, interesting. So would work with Richard Donner?
3: Yeah. So, Bohm comes on to retool the script and make the characters older. Before Schumacher, Mary Lambert was also in the mix, who would go on to direct Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah. Schumacher wanted to make things cool, sexy, modern of the times. And it ends up being part of an evolution in the depiction of vampires in pop culture, trying to associate them more with youth.
0: You get an individual ear pierced with, like, a dangling earring.
3: Yeah, hip yeah, yeah. of the moment. <laughs> very cool. Because I think to that point, vampires are all very much in the Bela Lugosi mold. Oh, yeah. For the most part. And there was a certain age to them. Yes, they wouldn't die at that point, but they were already old. Like, but why not take that and make them cool and yeah. make it more aspirational? Like, wouldn't it be cool to live forever? Yeah. At your peak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like leather jacket. we were fun. Skateboarding. And that's, I think, the legacy of the Lost Boys to this point. Ray-Bans, earrings, leather uh-huh. jackets, the whole deal, living on the beach. This fucking
0: dude playing the saxophone. <laughs>
3: that... Yeah, that's a big part of it, too. Yeah, yeah. For sure, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was influenced by this. I would go so far as to say Twilight as well. Okay, yeah. I think anything that came post-the 80s that focused on younger vampires probably owes a little bit of a debt to the Lost Boys. This movie really changed the perception of this supernatural Halloween time horror villain.
0: One thing for me is the process in which you become a vampire. Very unique in this movie.
3: Yeah, the rules of the vampire stuff are a little unique and different. Some of it doesn't really makes sense to me they wanted to come up with a way to redeem vampires so there's sort of this in-between stage that they really fixate on in the lost boys i think more so than anything else that's
0: true i don't think it's the only one where it uses that rule of like if you kill the head one everything's okay but it does kind of lower the stakes when this is reversible
3: the stakes yes (laughs) folks
0: (laughs) I've crossed
3: oceans of time. One thing that always stands out about The Lost Boys is the iconic, all-time cool opening panning across the Pacific Ocean at night, Cry Little Sister by Gerard McMahon playing, about as perfect as any song could be for this movie, even though I'm (laughs) not really sure what it's about. And it sounds weird. Yeah, yeah. The lyrics are a little strange, but... It adds a weight to the movie that yeah. otherwise it would lean more into the comedy side of the horror comedy. Because I think not... Lost Boys is definitely considered a horror comedy. I think so. It ends on a joke. Uh uh-huh. There's jokes throughout, visual gags. Definitely. But this it. song, you're I thinking, know. okay, this is a little more it's serious it's than I thought like it might this be. Gothic, choral feel. There's a timelessness to it. Yeah, yeah. It's very much a product of the late 80s, especially when you get a look at all these young actors and the styles they're wearing and everything else. But this song, for some reason, doesn't feel as connected to that time. It could just be any time. I don't know. There's something cool about that. Definitely. In opening the movie this way. It's sort of like... Oh, dude. Yeah. ...aped in... I Know What You Did Last Summer with the cover of Summer Breeze and they're coming across the ocean and
0: it makes it seem much more serious more and than more it epic is. too like i just wrote down like great pre-credit scene and great credit sequence this starts off and you're right in it you're like all right yes i am ready to be in this world
3: there's something about the song which reminds me of the self-seriousness of desperate young love and being young in general and how everything seemed more important and heightened yeah because the, it was Also, that comes with it, an immature idea of life and death, which is what these characters end up playing with, Uh and they're sort of too young to really understand the gravity of those things. And the song is just perfect. I don't know how else to say it. It just makes you feel all of that in the first few seconds of the movie. The camera pans up to the boardwalk along the beach. There's an amusement park with rides illuminated in the darkness, and this is our first look at the crew, yeah. the Lost Boys, if you will. I think I'm going to ha- call them all kinds of different names, okay. but I will occasionally actually call them the Lost Boys.
0: Yeah, we have a, a step-by-step style intro here at the amusement <laughs> park.
3: Except I think that the roller coaster was next to a parking lot, and they CGI'd that ocean in, okay. in step-by-step. Yeah. This gang is led by David, played by Kiefer yeah. Sutherland. Are there two
0: dudes from this in the same gang from Stand By Me? Is Marco. I, I recognize that dude, the blonde, curly haired dude.
3: Marco is Alex Winter from Bill and Ted.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I, don't, I guess not, but I don't know why it it had that feel.
3: Brooke McCarter as Paul, Billy Worth as Dwayne, round out the foursome. At first, they just seem like typical rowdy 80s street toughs. They're mulleted. Rockstar-inspired clothing, earrings. They make trouble on the carousel. They're asked to leave. David speaks for them all. And then eventually they go. But something happens to the security guard who boots them out when he's walking to his car in the parking lot that night. Something comes from the sky. We don't see what it is, but we know it's bad news. And the security guard's a goner for sure. And then we... Launched into the opening of the film. It's a kind of a cool, cold open, really. Definitely, yeah. Sets the scene.
0: Everything looks really cool, too. It's, like, lit in a cool way.
3: Before our main characters arrive. Michael Emerson, played by Jason Patrick, and his younger brother Sam, played by Corey Haim, move with their recently divorced mother Lucy, played by Diane Wiest, just coming off of her first Oscar win for Best Supporting Actress in Hannah and Her Sisters.
0: How about that? This is the follow-up.
3: They move to the fictional small town of Santa Carla, California, to live with her eccentric father, played by Bernard Hughes. They also have a dog named Nanook in the mix. Most of the Lost Boys was shot in Santa Cruz, California, over three weeks in June of '86. At the time, Santa Cruz was still reeling from once being infamously known as the murder capital of the world. Oh, wow. Because of a series of very brutal murders by three different psycho killers in the early 1970s. Yikes. Because of these men, John, Lindley Fraser, Herbert Mullen, and Edmund Kemper, Santa Cruz endured 28 murders over a 30-month period between 1970 and 1973. And that is why on the back of the billboard it says the murder capital of the world. Because even though they fictionalized it by calling it Santa Carla, it's really supposed to be Santa Cruz. That's where they filmed it. Gotcha.
0: I've spent some time in Santa Cruz, unbeknownst to me that there
3: was this tie-in. You didn't know it was filmed there?
0: No, I didn't.
3: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, I wish I had. (laughs) Now I need to go back.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple of landmarks. Although some of them were destroyed, I believe, in an earthquake or something. And then they build up new locations for the comic book store and the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I've been to several places in California that start with Santa, all nice.
3: As they enter the town and get a look at their surroundings for the first time, people are strange by Echo and the Bunnymen, a cover Yes, of The Doors is playing. This is one of those movies that follows the line of thinking that punks and metalheads will kill you and are dangerous, Because that's the vibe from a lot of the ones we're seeing here.
0: That's definitely how I grew up. I think I've shared it before, but when Hot Topic first became a store, I was terrified of the kids that hung out there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of these kids seem to be living out on the street. There's tons and tons of missing children signs. And so, yeah, tying it in with the Peter Pan stuff, Santa Carla feels like a warped Neverland. And we will find out the dark truth underneath the surface. But even though a lot of these kids maybe aren't vampires and will grow old, they seem to be living on their own. I think intentionally we're seeing tons and tons of teenagers and younger kids, but not a lot of adults. Yeah. I will say that grandpa's house and property are awesome.
0: I think so, too. And I wrote this down and the two boys are like, where the hell are we? And I'm, I'm like, this would be like a kid's dream, this place.
3: Yeah, it depends what they're used to. Maybe they're more city life or something. But it's this secluded lodge on a big piece of land. There's horses. Grandpa seems to be growing pot amongst (laughs) other things.
0: Grandpa's got a little bit of like a Willie Nelson vibe.
3: He's very much into taxidermy, and so they're making like Texas Chainsaw Massacre jokes and different things like that, which I guess the taxidermy hobby does factor in eventually to the ending of the movie. Sure does convenient yeah
2: (laughs) talk about the texas chainsaw
0: massacre
4: (laughs) rules we got some rules around here second shelf is mine that's where i keep my root beers and my double thick oreo cookies nobody touches the second shelf but me now there's another rule around here and i want you to pay close attention don't touch Everything is exactly where I want it to be. Hey, Grandpa, is it true that uh, Santa Carla is the murder capital of the world? Uh,
1: Well, there are some bad elements around here. Wait a second, let me get this straight. Are you telling me that we moved to the murder capital of the world? Are you serious, Grandpa? Well,
4: now, let me put it this way. If all the corpses buried around here was to stand up all at once, we'd have one hell of a population problem.
1: Great, Dad. Now,
4: on Wednesdays, when the mailman brings a TV guide, sometimes the address label is curled up just a little like that. Now, he'll be tempted to tear it off. do You'll only wind up ripping the copper, and I don't like that. And stay out of here. Wait,
3: wait.
1: You have a TV?
4: No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. and don't need a TV.
3: One of the most famous scenes from the film occurs just ten minutes in. <laughs> Tim Capello's cover of The Calls, I still believe Capello performing at the boardwalk. It's like this huge oh, yeah. concert for some reason. Wailing on his saxophone. He <laughs> Shirtless. His, yeah, his trademark thing was his oiled up bodybuilder yeah. muscles.
0: He kind of looks like a jacked Shawn Michaels
3: here. People going nuts for this music for some I know. reason
0: before memes and gifs or whatever were such a, a big thing i can remember people putting like youtube videos of this clip <laughs> and like their away messages or something that was like my first exposure to that type of thing on the internet
3: yeah it's definitely become one of the things that people point out it stands out from the movie for sure but that was his whole gimmick that oh, yeah. wasn't like special for this movie <laughs> cool dude Michael and Sam hang out at the boardwalk. Seemingly not the best parenting performance of all time by Lucy.
0: Well, she's a little distracted.
3: Michael becomes instantly fascinated by a beautiful young girl named Star. Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz, Who we love on the show. Who he will not stop staring at. That's his move, I guess. Just full on, I'm not going to stop looking. (laughs) I know that you see me looking and I'm still not going to stop. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I know, usually like, when they just refuse to make eye contact, it's like, all right, well, <laughs> it's not going to happen.
3: Jason Patrick ended up having a lot of sway on production, it seems like. Wow. Helping mold the script and shape the film.
0: Who would have thought he had that kind of power at any point in his career?
3: Schumacher had envisioned Starr as being a waifish blonde, similar to Meg Ryan, but he was convinced to consider Gertz by Patrick who had just worked with her in a film called Solar Babies from 1986. Sounds good. Which I had to look up. It was like a huge bomb. Well, I'm sure, yeah. So I'm assuming that it hadn't come out yet because I don't know that the studio would have been like, yeah, let's get two people from this movie that made like <laughs> one one thirtieth or yeah. one 100th of its budget back or whatever it was.
0: This must have been that moment in Jason Patrick's career. He just had to like pull all these moves while he had the ability to because it wasn't going to last very long.
3: Yeah, I'm not really sure what the deal was. I think it was Schumacher wanted him specifically and Patrick didn't really want to do it and was (laughs) declining it left and right. And I guess in order to convince him, they sort of helped mold the story more to be the vision that Schumacher had of aging the vampires up and making it a little more sexy and adult. Because I think the script was much more kid friendly, like the Goonies. Star is always with a young boy named Laddie, and it appears that she's spoken for already. She seems to be with David, the mysterious leader of this youth biker gang who stalk the boardwalk, intimidating people and causing trouble. I could definitely envision a modern-day Michael just turning into an incel, (laughs) going home on the computer, hopping on 4chan. Why won't girls (laughs) date nice guys like me? (laughs) The pretty girls always date the assholes with their motorcycles (laughs) and their earrings. Just instantly mad. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, Lucy gets a job at a video store owned by Bachelor Max Lawrence, played by Edward Herman. That's
0: right, of Gilmore Girls fame.
3: And Overboard, which we did this year.
0: (laughs) I know. When he's talking to her, and he's just like, you have a generous nature. I like that. Yeah. I just wrote down creep.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely a creep. (laughs) Yeah. In a comic book store, Sam meets the Frog Brothers, Edgar, played by Corey Feldman, and Alan, played by Jameson Newlander.
0: Corey Feldman, known for being like a method actor, doing this affected, deep voice. Yeah. It was definitely reminded me of There Will Be Blood, when he kind (laughs) of sounds like John (laughs) Huston.
3: Yeah, Feldman and Daniel Day-Lewis, I would consider to be pretty close. Just... Different eras. If only they could have crossed paths in something that would have been truly special. It is funny,
0: though. He does stick with it the whole movie.
3: The Frog Brothers are a pair of self-proclaimed vampire hunters. Yeah, Feldman is doing a Stallone impression. Yeah, That's what he's doing. Gotcha. I guess Schumacher gave him some action hero tapes to try to form what he thought these characters would act like, but... Feldman took it a step further and just started doing this voice, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but, these... but I actually think it adds to the character. Yeah, yeah. Because it's so clearly fake. Right. And and... So
0: that's the thing. Is it supposed to be that the kid is always putting on this voice, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. I think so.
3: he's just trying to be tough. That's how it comes off. Yeah. It actually works out to make the character kind of more interesting.
0: Right. These kids are fun. It's a noticeable... They're younger than the villain kids, which... Kind of adds this other layer of making the villains more threatening.
3: Yeah, but they seem older than Sam. Yeah. So they're in the middle is what it feels like. They provide Sam with some horror comics which supposedly double as educational as they will prepare him for the threat the brothers claim has infiltrated the town. And the name on the comic says, Vampires Everywhere.
0: (laughs) And this opens the door to... What is going on in this town? Is there like this secret society of vampire hunters as well?
3: Yes. Okay. And I think that based on the material, the supplemental material, the material I would consider non-canon, but the comic stuff that (laughs) came after, I think there's like more than one Uh brood of vampires. It's not just this crew. the one that ends with this movie is the end. There would be other ones too. This is the first of the two Corey's films with... Feldman and Haim, for those a little younger who don't know, they would be in a ton of movies together. We watched one together earlier this year called Blown Away, which is a masterpiece. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Feldman, at this point, was already out of control and into drugs, which is a big part of his backstory and story in general. He almost got fired from this movie and had to like buckle down. Haim described this as the best time of his life, and the two Obviously, bonded and became friends. The names of the characters all hold some significance. Originally, I think a lot of the characters were just named after the characters in Peter Pan, but Lucy is named after Lucy from Dracula. Edgar and Alan, obviously, uh-huh. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, I got that. Etc. Besides the vampire infestation in Santa Carla, I'm definitely a little jealous of someone who would get to grow up there it's a dream i know it's unbelievable the board a of walk has had a here. video store and a comic book store this
0: video store is incredible i always have an aching nostalgia for a place i've never been to
3: <laughs> i know it's just yeah. better when stores like this and you can walk to them i know now no stores carry anything fun <laughs> You just have to get stuff off of Amazon Just or every episode of this podcast is just how much everything sucks. Everything does suck. I know. You used to live in a proper society where you could walk into Max's video store or the comic book store or the boardwalk and get on a roller coaster.
0: I know. This does seem like a great life. People
3: playing saxophone without a shirt.
0: Not a lot of adults around, it doesn't seem. <laughs>
3: The couple that originally ran afoul of the Lost Boys in that opening scene is now attacked from the sky as well, much like the security guard. So obviously we're seeing a theme here. I don't think it's too big of a mystery as to who is doing this. (laughs) It's the great thing about marketing a movie. Everyone knows that this is about young, cool, sexy vampires. This isn't some big twist. Right. We know who the vampires are even though the movie hasn't told us yet. That's just part of understanding the marketing for a movie yes you're like okay well this Kiefer for sutherland gang is obviously the vampires unless there's some big crazy twist which right. there isn't
0: it is it, weird to me that key for sutherland kind of had like a, a moment of being like the tough guy i yeah. buy it okay no i'm in for it what else would he be uh, the, the not tough guy yeah when like in young guns
3: that? oh young guns
0: <laughs> young guns one and two this is a much Doc. more iconic movie definitely yeah
3: Plus, stand by me.
0: Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. No, I know. That's what I'm talking about. He probably just didn't
3: want to get typecast.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I am a badass.
3: While the Frog Brothers are insistent that Santa Carla is infested with vampires, Sam is reluctant to believe. Michael, though, finally gets to talk to Star, who seems to reciprocate his interest. However, when the two of them are all set to hang out, they're intercepted by David and his gang. But David's not combative. Instead, he's coy. Though Star does switch over to his bike from Michael's.
0: David always keeping a watchful eye on what Star's up to.
3: David goads Michael into following the group by motorcycle along the beach. They eventually reach a huge cliff that Michael nearly drives over. He's furious and punches David.
0: Yeah, this whole road that goes along that cliffside does seem a little dangerous.
3: Well, they're not even on a road.
0: I know, but later, that when they're going back to this place, that they end uh, up at the well, lair.
3: They probably went past some places that you're not supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Michael grabs David. Just you. Come on. Just <laughs> you. He keeps yeah. saying, just you. Right. Single combat. David's not even interested. He just laughs them off, basically. They've arrived at the gang's hideout, which is an abandoned luxury hotel sunken beneath the cliff by the 1906 earthquake.
0: Pretty cool idea for a hangout.
3: Yeah, it's pretty original. I'm not saying that this is the first time that any movie ever has ever done anything like this, but it didn't feel derivative of many other things. It was a pretty good idea because it is based in reality. On Wednesday, April 18th, 1906, the coast of Northern California was struck by a major earthquake with an estimated magnitude of 7.9, and blah, 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 blah. Caused extensive damage, devastating fires all up and down San Francisco Bay Area. More than 3,000 people died, and over 80% of the city was destroyed. The events are remembered as one of the worst and deadliest earthquakes in the history of the United States. The death toll remains the greatest loss of life from a natural disaster in California's history and high on the lists of American disasters. So they actually referenced this a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I do think it was a little bit more tied in with the original script, which we can maybe talk about when we get to the ending, because the ending was like a little different, and there's almost like more of like a Shining-style ending or something. It's cool. It looks cool. It fits in with the whole aesthetic of the film. Cool vampires, cool hangout, For sure. hot babes. Yeah. <laughs> although there's just one. That
0: is true.
4: Feeding time! Come and get it, boys!
2: All right! All right! Go. Chinese, good choice. Over here, bud. Yes, first. You don't like rice? Tell me, Michael. How could a billion Chinese people be wrong? <laughs> Come on.
4: How are those maggots! Maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots, how do they taste?
5: (laughs) Leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sad.
2: feelings huh oh. why don't you try some noodles
5: <laughs>
2: worms I mean they're worms Tony
4: they're only noodles Michael
2: <laughs> nice worms. that's enough right, too hard, girl.
3: This is a pretty cool scene though, and similarly to the shirtless saxophone man, yes. I think one of the scenes that people remember with the Chinese food, absolutely, the rice turns into maggots, the noodles turns yeah. into worms, to
0: the point that it that actually like completely grossed me out, and I think I had a little bit of a problem with white rice for a little bit.
3: <laughs> David decides to initiate Michael into the group. Star warns Michael not to drink from an offered bottle, warning him that it is blood, but he seemingly doesn't believe her and ignores her advice. It's the only is... thing I could really interpret, that he just doesn't believe what she's saying.
0: Yeah. Or, I don't know, he doesn't want to feel like he's being punked by these dudes, so he's got to be tough.
3: Yeah, well, that would fall under it, right? Because yeah. even if you thought you might get punked, I mean, would you drink blood? No. <laughs> Here's a bottle of blood. Here, just Listen, drink it.
0: I'm not a good measuring stick for this stuff because there's a lot that I wouldn't do, including, like, get on the motorcycle, go to this place, try to talk to the... But this is, as we'll find out, I think this is all part of turning someone into a vampire.
3: Yeah, it fades into the most 80s music video montage <laughs> imaginable, Yeah, where they are bringing back the song, which gets brought back several times in the movie. And to this point, you start to wonder... Is Star just bait? Is she a recruitment tool? What is her role with this group? But then again, why did she try to warn Michael not to drink the blood? What's going on exactly? Yeah, Because we kind of get it. We haven't seen them be vampires yet, but we get right. it. Yes. You know, Like I said, you come into this movie knowing what the marketing is. Cool, hot vampires. People are getting killed. Yeah, These are the bad guys, clearly. Now they're offering a bottle. She says it's blood. <laughs> So, you're thinking, okay. I guess. What's her role in all this? Why did she try to hook him yeah. in and now he's here?
0: She is playing both sides of the fence here a little bit.
3: Well, I think it's impossible not to view this movie under the lens of Joel Schumacher being homosexual and he would sometimes interject a lot of sexuality. And I think this definitely reads as a very bisexual movie. Uh-huh. There's a lot of sexual energy between Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland definitely. and the other male vampires. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, there's just the one girl,
0: not a lot of girls in the gang. That's for sure. Right.
3: Yeah. And the whole idea of vampires in the first place, it's a very like intimate yeah. monster that's always sucking on your neck and they <laughs> kill men and women equally. Yeah, in yeah. That way.
0: Something that would be further explored in the great HBO series. True blood, of course.
3: Yeah, definitely. And You can't look past Sam's posters in his bedroom. Little Sam, who's supposed to be like 10 years old. (laughs) He's a poster of Molly Ringwald. Okay, fine. Sure. He's a poster of Reform School Girls, the movie, which...
0: (laughs) I did notice that.
3: Is a very bizarre, campy, trashy movie that a kid probably shouldn't see. He does have the typical bikini girl like on a Ferrari type thing. But then there's a picture of Rob Lowe... (laughs) On his closet door, just a big poster of Rob Lowe looking sultry. Yeah. (laughs) Now, obviously, like I just said, Schumacher was coming off of St. Elmo's Fire. Right. And so he liked to plant little things in his movies that were like nods to his other stuff and stuff like that. But the fact that it's on the closet door- its amazing. People have read into it that Sam is supposed to be closeted or something- I don't really know. It's a weird poster know, choice man. for a young guy, unless he is interested yeah. in Rob Lowe.
0: I had posters of, like, Shaq. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, later that night, David and his gang, including Michael, head to a railroad bridge where they hang off of the bottom from the trestles over a foggy gorge.
0: Yeah, probably outside of the saxophone, the other iconic shot from the movie.
3: One by one, they fall into the obscured abyss until it's just David and Michael.
2: I think we should let Michael know what's going on. Yeah. Michael. Good night,
5: Michael.
2: Bombs away!
5: (laughs) Bottles up,
4: man. (laughs) Come with us, Michael.
2: Michael Emerson! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come on down! <laughs> 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 Welcome aboard, Michael! <laughs> Fine, man. <now. laughs>
3: David uses the phrase, one of us, and then falls, and then finally Michael too, and you don't really know what happened. Michael wakes up in his bed the next day, unaware of how he got there, and unsure of what actually happened the night before.
0: Well, the way it's done, it's all part of the same move. He's like falling through the fog, and then he was like falls and lands in his bed.
3: Yeah. Which I think is supposed to keep the yeah. viewer guessing a little off balance. But it's clear right away that something is seriously wrong. His eyes are sensitive to sunlight, and both he and Sam experience a situation where motorcycles are revving and lights are flashing through the windows only for there to be no one around when the front door is opened. While their mother has dinner with Max trying to find some romance. Ooh. Michael develops an intense thirst for blood. Oh, boy. Leading him to impulsively go after his younger brother. Nanook, the dog, (laughs) intervenes, protecting Sam.
0: Sam quick to be like, you're a creature of the night, Michael.
3: Yeah. Well, that's one thing that is constant throughout the film, is a rapid pace. Oh, yeah. All of this stuff comes at you very fast, in your face, a lot of jumping to conclusions and just going with it. Not a lot of explanation, not a lot of, well, maybe it's something else. You know, just right. boom, 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 we're moving.
1: Mike? Michael, are you there? The nook. Mike, what happened? Nanook. What about Nanook? What'd you do to my dog, you asshole?
2: Nothing. I didn't hurt him. He bit me. This is my blood.
1: Why'd he bite you, Mike? Huh? What would you do to him?
4: He was protecting you.
1: Look at your reflection in the mirror. The creature of the night, Michael. Just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Will oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy.
2: Sammy, wait. Sam! Stay back! Just Stay wait and let me talk! Wait a minute! Sam! Get away from
3: you, Sam realizes that his brother is becoming a vampire, seemingly verified by Michael's semi-transparent reflection in the mirror. He runs upstairs, locks himself in his bedroom, and calls the Frog Brothers for help. All they can offer is the advice that Michael needs to be staked through the heart (laughs) to be killed, which Sam does not want to do.
0: Very callous, although they do confirm that his fingernails are getting
3: longer. (laughs) In his own room, Michael starts floating, finding himself face-to-face with the ceiling. He ends up floating outside, unable to control these new powers, begging a terrified Sam for help. Michael somehow ends up convincing Sam that he's not fully a vampire yet, and they decide to keep it a secret from their mother. One of the fun little props or things that you notice, Laddie on the milk carton in the kitchen. Yes. The boy that's running around with Star.
0: A little clue at maybe what's going on here.
3: At Max's house, he seems to be getting harassed by the Lost Boys after already having a little confrontation with them in his video store. Michael returns to the sunken hideout, finding Star, who tearfully tells him that she cannot help him. They immediately have sex instead. (laughs) (laughs) And it just pans up into the clouds, and the cry little sister comes on again.
0: (laughs) I did find this to be sort of an insane sex scene. I guess it's kind of like, well, we're not going for an R here, so we have to figure out a way to... It is rated R, though. Oh, it is? Okay. I know.
3: It doesn't really feel like an R rated movie. I know. I was like, is there nothing? Yeah, there's yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So they could have pushed this a little further maybe, but instead they chose to go with the clouds. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it makes you wonder if there's something in it that the MPAA was just like, it's gonna be R, so Yeah. Don't even bother. I don't know what that would be. You cannot
0: have a saxophone player this sexually suggestive and get a PG thirteen. Get the fuck out of here! (laughs) It's
3: too much. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what that would be. Maybe it's some of the violence with the stakes or something. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say I didn't remember there being like that much swearing in it, but there really isn't. Yeah,
3: but I guess it's just the the violence stuff. Yeah, is a little too gory and gooey, bloody. I don't know. Because you would think that if it was just one little thing or two things or something, they could just trim it and I know. appeal to a bigger audience. But it must have been something that's too much a part of it. Yeah, I'm thinking the way they do the blood or something. I don't See, know. I would
0: have gone for a hard R then. You know?
3: Yeah, you think might as well. The next day, Sam rides along with his mother as she's going to leave a gift for Max at his house. He's reading the vampire comic book and comes across the hounds of hell. Oh, yeah. Just as Max's dog Thorn freaks out, chasing and trying to attack Lucy, who has to hop over the gate and she just narrowly escapes this beast.
0: This was like pretty much every run in I had with a dog when I was a kid. (laughs) Like
3: they all just tried to kill me, it seemed like. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. And I I understand fully. Like
0: there could be a group of five kids, and like the dog would always pick me out (laughs) and like try to tackle me. It could smell the fear.
3: The one thing in this movie that is funny when you're trying to comb through it for the podcast and you're watching it closely and jotting down notes and trying to figure this all out, the connection between some of these scenes is sort of abrupt and weird and there's not a lot of explanation. There's a lot of moments where you would think, okay, well, then what happened next? Yeah, yeah. Because Michael fucks Star. They're in this hideout. It ends basically after the little cloud montage with the sounds of the other lost boys coming back right what happened nothing. yeah nothing we don't know All the next time we see him he's back at the house talking to his mother oh yeah she's like aren't we friends anymore or whatever wants <laughs> you know, to talk to him about their relationships or something well she's yeah. recently divorced she wants to maintain a good relationship with her sons and
0: I like when Grandpa sees Michael back at the house and is like, looks like I wasn't the only one that got lucky last night.
3: (laughs) It's like, Grandpa, take it easy. The Widow Johnson. Yeah. (laughs) Just crushing it. (laughs) Sam meets back up with the Frog Brothers, who are still adamant that Sam should kill his brother. However, Sam believes that Michael is still only a half vampire and that his condition would be reversible upon the head vampire's death. So, yes, they've all brought out their little jump to conclusion <laughs> hats right, yeah. and are jumping all over the place. They're seemingly just making up the rules as they go, which is fine, I guess, because you have to explain to the audience one way or another what rules you're playing by. I don't mind any of the rules choices that they make in this. It's not like the fucking vampires in Twilight who go out during the daylight and shit like that where you're like, OK, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> You know, right. this is at least somewhat within the boundaries of the rules we know. That's right. Garlic doesn't work, but holy water does. You know, they have yeah, their yeah. own little things or whatever, but a lot of it just comes from the comic books. Right. Who knows who wrote those? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. And, and maybe,
0: they... I'm sure this is fleshed out in the supplemental material, but I'd love to know more about the Frog Brothers and how they got to their position of being local vampire hunters they still seem like they have a lot of misconceptions
3: i would say that in my opinion yeah the frog brothers are a lot of talk yeah, yeah i don't know that they've actually ever done anything
0: i agree but it's at least clear that they do know
3: no they know yeah and i think a lot of other people might know too which is evidenced by right. the end joke of the movie
0: yes but but they obviously don't even know that like M- Michael can be in this in-between state that he can come back from.
3: Yeah, they're not as big of experts as yeah. they portray themselves to be. And yes, I do believe that probably the two sequel films that were straight to video and the comic book series probably does get into the front uh-huh. of their story a right, lot right. more. But
1: who knows? Then the dogs started chasing my mom like the hounds of hell and vampires everywhere. We've been aware of some very serious vampire activity in this town for a long time. Santa Carla's become a haven for the undead. As a matter of fact, we're almost certain that ghouls and werewolves occupy high positions at City Hall. Kill your brother. You'll feel better. Look, guys, my brother's not a bloodsucker. Look, it says here that if you kill the head vampire, all half-vampires will return to normal. Guys, if my brother's a vampire, believe me, he's only half. Does your brother know who the head vampire is? No, I don't think so. Then you'll have to kill him. And if you don't,
2: then we will.
1: This all started when my mom went to work at Max's video store. Max never comes in until after it's dark. The dog who chased my mom this morning was his. Now listen to this. Vampires require a daytime protector, a guardian, to watch over them as they sleep. Fierce dogs, the hounds of hell, are often employed for this purpose. No shit. Yeah, well, what happens if my mom is dating the head vampire? You guys can nail him and save Santa Carla. Truth, justice, the American way trimes. Thanks to you two. We'll check out Max.
3: Somehow, Sam puts some pieces together and believes the head vampire must be Max, the man his mother works for and might possibly be dating. The Frog Brothers are agreeable enough to the possibility... This is a huge leap, <laughs> huge, yes, yes. that he would come to this idea that it's Max. It's not really based on a lot.
0: The hellhounds thing is really it.
3: The hellhounds and that he doesn't show up right. until work, until it's dark out, which is weird, I guess. But yeah. like, why would Sam know that? Well, why especially would that be in the forefront of his mind?
0: I have to say, California Coastal Town video rental place, I know that you cater to evenings but it's over the summer you're not showing up to work until 930 <laughs> probably closes at 11.
3: Lucy invites Max to the house for dinner Michael's on his way out but meets Max who won't come inside until he's invited which Michael does. There are some awkward jokes about what happened with Thorne but not enough is said about it. I mean Lucy really you're that desperate for a man?
0: It was quite a scene. She should be demanding that he put his dog down.
3: <laughs> it was vicious. I know. It seemed...
0: It seemed rabid.
3: Like she was near death. Yeah, Like yeah. the dog would have killed her. It's a big dog. And he's
0: making like jokes about it. Like, oh, he'll be good next time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's like she... It almost ripped my arm off. He can sense how desperate she is. Yeah, yeah. He's calling the shots. This is all a pretty fun misdirection for the audience because the audience probably wasn't even thinking of Max until Sam brings him up as the head vampire. Then the audience is thinking, okay, maybe then the next thing you see is him not coming into the house until Michael invites him in. So the audience is thinking, Oh my God, it's definitely Max. Right, right. But then Sam has some surprise dinner guests of his own, the frog brothers. (laughs) And they're ready to test Max in all of the ways they know how. They try garlic. They try holy water, question mark? Yeah. Not sure what that w- was. They <laughs> dump water on him. I was I like, did they say that was holy water? I no. don't know. Mirror. They try all kinds of shit. Yeah, yeah. Nothing works. Max passes every test, and it seems like all Sam has done has made it even more awkward between his mom and her boss, slash perspective new boyfriend, <laughs> slash Sam's new dad. Right. <laughs> Lucy, this looks terrific.
1: Well, I hope it tastes good.
3: Mmm. Mm. wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Boy, somebody around here has bad breath. Mm. No, no, would you quit breathing on me? No, no, get upstairs. Go on. You want some Parmesan cheese on that? Uh... Yeah, Sam, thank you very much. Sam grated the cheese himself. My son.
0: Another budding chef in the family.
2: Are you all right? Mm. No, it's not
1: cheese. It's it's garlic. But you hate garlic, don't you? No, I like garlic. It's just a little much. Raw garlic. <laughs> garlic? How did that happen? Guys, she likes garlic. Oh, sorry. Here, quick, drink what's some water.
2: Hey, oh! The... Sam, what's the matter with you? Does it burn? Burn? What are you nuts? <laughs> it's freezing. Oh,
1: look at your suit, Max, and your pants. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's all right. Gosh. Now what? Must be circuit breaker, mom. He's not
2: glowing. That's I
1: know, hit the light. I'm Ah! Oh! Sam, what has gotten into you tonight?
2: I think I know what's going on around here tonight. You do? Yeah. I know what you're thinking, Sam, but you're wrong. Am? Yeah. I'm not trying to replace your father, or steal your
0: mother away from you. I would just like to be your friend. That's all. Good night,
1: Lucy. Thanks a lot. I'm sorry, Mom. Max, I'm so sorry major mistake
0: i think if i showed up with these two kids dressed in camo and i'm like mom i'm having my friends over for dinner she'd be like get out <laughs> with
3: these two kids well she's a cool mom she is yeah. she's hip she's cool absolutely she knows that it's a tenuous situation moving her sons to a new place yeah dad's not in the picture anymore so now the audience doesn't know what to think It was weird that he insisted on Michael inviting him in, but Max passes all these other tests, and so Sam and the Frog Brothers have to move on to something else. Yeah, so
0: then the invite thing just seems like, oh, they're just trying to keep us off balance here, but it seems confirmed not a vampire based on all the other tests for now.
3: To finish his transformation, Michael must kill and feed... To provoke him into doing so, David takes Michael along with the rest of the Lost Boys to stalk a group of beachgoers partying after dark. David and the rest reveal themselves as vampires to Michael, fangs, animalistic eyes, (laughs) monstrous faces.
0: The least surprising reveal of all time.
3: And then instigate a feeding frenzy. I think it's less about the surprise and just the first time you're seeing what it looks like with these faces. Horrified by what he's watching, Michael refuses to participate and escapes back home to Sam. Sam is in the process of explaining the whole kill-the-head vampire thing. When they hear Star calling to Michael from outside, she reveals herself and Laddie to be half-vampires, like Michael, who want to be cured. She also says that David had intended for Michael to be Star's first kill, which would have sealed her fate as a vampire.
0: Which I guess somewhere along the lines that plan changed.
3: Yeah, I guess you're supposed to take it that she fell in love with him or liked him back or whatever, or that she just couldn't go through with it and didn't want to do it. Like Michael.
0: Right. But he was supposed to be killed, but then simultaneously is being initiated into the gang.
3: Supposed to be killed by Star. Yeah. So that she would become a full vampire. Right. And so I guess when she reveals that she likes him... Uh David seems to be into, like, head games. Yeah, yeah. He's not, like, giving in to jealousy. He's like, all right, well, let's make him a vampire then. Like, blink. Like, who's going to blink first?
2: (laughs) Ah! It's okay. I know who I am now, Sam.
1: Don't kill me, Mike. I'm basically a good kid, so just don't kill me. I can help you. Just tell me who the head vampire is. I thought it was Max, but I was wrong. Just work with me, and I can help you. You'll be okay. Michael! Michael! It's that girl from the boardwalk. Is she one of
2: them? I have to talk to you. Can I come up? No! You shut the window and lock your door.
1: She's one of them! And don't tell me it doesn't make her a bad person, Mike.
2: You know where David took me tonight, don't you, Stark?
1: Who's David? Yes. It's my fault. If you hadn't met me, if I hadn't liked you, I tried to warn you. It
2: was that night in the cave, wasn't it? That wasn't wine they gave me to drink. It was blood. That was David's blood.
1: You drank someone's blood? Are you crazy?
2: Well, I'm just like David now, Star.
1: No, you're not. You're like Laddie and me. We're not one of them. Until you make your first kill.
2: (laughs) Why didn't you kill me last night?
1: you're supposed to be my first. That's
4: what David wanted.
1: But I couldn't,
2: Michael. Why? Because you care so much about me? Yes, I do. What are you doing here? What do you want from me?
1: I wanted to tell you that's not too late for you. But for me, it gets harder and harder to resist.
4: I'm weak.
2: Why did you come here tonight, Star?
4: I was hoping you'd have Blatty and me.
3: Sam has a great line. Don't kill anyone until we get back to you. Yeah, I wrote that down too. <laughs> the next day, a weakening Michael leads Sam and the Frong brothers to the gang's lair. Seeing it in daylight... Less cool? No, you can definitely see the inspiration from the Goonies. Oh, like, yeah. Just the nostalgic for the how the 80s had these weird, unique sets that right. just are built. Uh huh. At its heart, this is a goofy-ass adventure movie that's also rated R. Yeah. It is still very much that, that weird, weird, goofy adventure style.
0: It's hard to picture them marketing this movie as like a rated R movie.
3: It'd be easier to do 20 years later. Yeah. Like 2007. Uh-huh. It would have been easy to just do that. Yeah. But in 1987, yeah, it probably would have been weird. Because would this movie appeal to people who were adults?
0: I don't know. It seems like it wouldn't. It did okay, It must have been teenagers who were just becoming the age of being able to
3: see rated R movies. Maybe that's the metaphor. They're turning into vampires. (laughs) This doesn't really make any sense, either. Star and Laddie were just at their house, and now they're basically rescuing them as part of this mission. I know. If they were ready to leave, why wouldn't they just stay gone?
0: They're in some weird sort of stasis, too. They're like, damaged or something
3: well it's sort of like how michael is weakening yeah. too. they need to have that blood uh-huh it's just hasn't happened yet
0: i do like when they get back to the house and grandpa sees them carrying like this unconscious girl and young boy upstairs and thinks nothing of it
3: it's a regular tuesday yeah <laughs> well michael pulls out laddie and then star carrying them to safety sam and the frog brothers impale one vampire marco oh that's right causing a, a stake. scene with which awakens David and the other two vampires. So what they do in this movie is the vampires sleep while hanging upside down in a cave.
0: By the way, the Frog Brothers not all talk here.
3: No, they they go for it. Yeah. It's all part of the sunken hotel situation. I think Edgar refers to it as one giant coffin. Yeah. They don't really get into the specifics of the dirt or the soil i mean i guess maybe if they're from santa carla then that counts as their homeland soil anyway sure i don't know i don't really know what the rules are with that they don't get into that stuff they all sleep together hanging upside down like bats though david grabs hold of sam's ankle the frog brothers are able to pull sam into the sunlight burning david's hand Taking Star and Laddie with them, everyone is able to escape. So there's a couple of things here. Schumacher invented the glitter vampire stuff (laughs) before Twilight. The glitter blood, which is weird. Okay. When David burns his hand in the sunlight, there's that tear on his face. Yes. Which was a real tear, and it was actually from the contacts that they had to wear, but it just timed in the perfect spot, and they were able to just use it. Wow, it's
0: effective, too.
3: Grandpa seems super oblivious to everything (laughs) that's going on, but Nanook is suspicious. They have to chill him out. Sam shows up at Lucy's job and tries to convince her that Santa Carla is crawling with bloodsuckers, but of course, she's having none of it. Why would she? It sounds insane. Totally. That evening, she's going out with Max, and Grandpa is busy with the Widow Johnson, who (laughs) he's been carrying on with. So Sam, Michael, and the Frog Brothers barricade themselves in the house with Star and Laddie.
0: This sort of just evolves into a straw dog situation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Home alone, (laughs) except without the traps. (laughs) They're armed with holy water slash garlic water filled water guns, a longbow, and wood stakes. When night falls, David's gang attacks the house.
0: Yeah, my final note here for what I've written down, uh, applicable to the sequence of events that happens here. It does seem like these vampires would be better at fighting. Yeah. (laughs) Not a great showing, really. Not really. Especially when you can see what they're capable of, like flying up in the air and picking people up.
3: The movie really sticks with the unseen flying attack. It's a good way to keep the budget Uh in control, and they just have to use a camera. And it puts you in that POV perspective from the sky swooping down, which I think is kind of cool only because it's tied to this movie. It's this movie's thing is that style of attack, you know, right. right. So you kind of just roll with it. That's what they do in the Lost Boys. You don't really think of it as a cheap out or anything like that. Yeah, Yeah. Honestly, if they showed them flying a lot, it probably would be less cool. I think so. Paul is the first vampire that gets it as he chases Edgar and Alan into the upstairs bathroom and Nanook knocks the vampire into the bathtub filled with garlic and holy water dissolving him. (laughs) Nanook really just out of nowhere, boom, like decks him in, like the dog knows to just knock him in this water, (laughs) then actually gets up and just like hits him with the crotch chop. That's right. Like, suck it. (laughs)
0: The Frog Brothers do sort of reluctantly credit Nanook for this later.
3: Edgar, he's the one played by Feldman. He's like a little too interested in killing Star. Yeah. It almost comes off as a little creepy. <laughs> like, all right, dude. <laughs> Take it down a notch, Patrick Bateman. Right. The bathroom, by the way, completely destroyed.
0: Oh, yeah. Everything
3: uh, explodes. And blood starts
0: and... coming through the plumbing. <laughs> it's, like
3: it's a it? real mess. Yeah. <laughs> blood starts coming through the plumbing what did he have taco bell last night (laughs) folks sam is attacked by dwayne yet another vampire who he fights off with the holy water water gun before shooting an arrow through his heart and into the stereo behind him electrocuting him before he explodes sam with the immortal line death by stereo Which became a band name. That's
0: right. Yeah. I'm wondering
3: if that's where this came from, or if that's just a cool expression.
0: I don't know. Could be both.
3: This took up a huge, huge chunk of the shooting time for just thirty seconds of screen time. <laughs> okay. I think they literally shot this movie for something like three weeks, and this took almost a week for thirty <laughs> wow. seconds. Wow. Okay. It's almost like the shower scene in Psycho. Oh, yeah. It's almost as iconic. That's
0: right. It's been (laughs) dissected (laughs) over many times. Dwayne getting
3: killed by a stereo. (laughs) (laughs) This leaves the big confrontation for David and Michael. While they're kicking off their battle, Laddie transforms upstairs, and Star has to intervene to protect him from Sam and the Frog Brothers. I wish that Sam and the Frog Brothers would show just a little bit of chill. I know. Because at this point, they think that David is the head vampire, and why wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. So if we just finish this up, maybe this little boy can turn back into a regular little boy instead of let's Look. try to kill him. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> Plus, this hot chick doesn't want us to, so <laughs> yeah. maybe we shouldn't.
0: <laughs> Jamie Gertz, this seems like a person I need to listen to.
3: Co-owner of the Atlanta Hawks, Absolutely. Jamie Gertz. Yeah,
0: powerhouse.
3: As Michael and David square off, Michael is forced to give in and use his new vampire powers, which seem to include strength, flying, and weird eyes. Yeah, that's right. Join us. Us, Yeah, I
0: know. The whole crew's dead, my man.
3: Immediately, I'm like, us? Yeah. There's no one left but you.
0: Time to rebuild.
3: I think they launch into Cry Little Sister again. Uh, I know. They they?
0: do use it a lot. So this
3: would be the third time or fourth time in the movie. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Eventually, Michael overpowers David somehow and impales him on a set of antlers because, remember, Grandpa's really into the dead animal scene in the house. However, shockingly, Michael, Star, and Laddie do not transform back to normal as they had hoped. So David is impaled on a pair of antlers and doesn't disintegrate like the other vampires, despite what Max later says He's not really dead. This was intended to be picked up in the sequel, The Lost Girls, which was scripted but never made. And then in some of the comic miniseries, including The Lost Boys, Reign of the Frogs, (laughs) which helps bridge the 20-year gap between films.
0: I needed that. I need that (laughs) gap
3: bridged. It's implied that David not only survived the impaling, but went on to create Shane the head vampire in Lost Boys The Tribe from two thousand and eight. Oh shit. So there you go. Yeah. Continuing I think to wreak havoc. Was trying to get the Lost Girls off the ground in the nineties and it just never came to be for whatever yeah. reason. Unfortunately, because that might have been interesting. Definitely. It would have certainly been better than straight to video sequels that we got. I think so. Well after the fact of yeah. anyone caring. It's at that moment that Lucy returns home with Max. It turns out that all of the original suspicions surrounding Max were correct. Max is indeed the head vampire, after all. He explains that inviting a vampire into one's house renders one powerless over that vampire, and a vampire's weaknesses will not be able to be exploited while under the power of that invitation.
0: These frog bros, I mean, we rely on you guys to know this shit.
3: (laughs) Well, it turns out they didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually like a pretty cool wrinkle to the rules that I don't think fucks anything up too much and makes it interesting for the movie. Uh huh. I think that part of the fun of doing vampire material is creating your own rules within the rules. Definitely. You have to stay within the guidelines essentially, but then you can freestyle a little bit.
0: It keeps people off balance because everyone has like this sort of built in expectation of what the rules are. Yeah. And then you can kind of introduce wrinkles to that that throws you off.
3: Right. This explains why their tests didn't work on Max earlier. Max also reveals that the master plan was to have David turn Sam and Michael into vampires so that Lucy could not refuse to be transformed herself as his objective was to make Lucy a mother for his lost boys. Yeah. So the stuff that... Max reveals here at the end somewhat seems to contradict the whole Star David Michael story that we already were told because Star said that David wanted her to kill Michael.
0: Yeah. And yet
3: know. now we're being told that the head vampire was having his boys recruit Michael. So
0: everybody had their own plans.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. It doesn't all quite fit.
0: David had the foresight to know that star was going to fall for Michael and not be able to pull the trigger on this. He's just playing games.
3: Yeah. You can read into it and say that, well, star was wrong or David was secretly doing this or that or whatever. But I don't know. In a movie like this, I don't know that you need to be reading into stuff that much. So it feels weird that they contradict themselves a little bit. Here's a thought. Okay. Are the frog brothers just lame?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Wouldn't
3: it be more fun to just be vampires? Wouldn't that be cooler? What's wrong with being a vampire?
0: Well, I mean, you're evil, for one.
3: Oh, so you kill some people. people,
0: (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it seems like it has its perks, but I don't really want to sleep upside down.
3: That's the risk you run when you try to make the vampires seem too cool and modern and hip, and you have part of the audience siding with them, thinking, well... Wouldn't that be ideal? You get to be young and cool forever.
0: Yeah. For some of us for the first time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You were born 35 and not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Michael and Sam and even Star attempt to fight Max, but he's just too powerful. As Max pulls Lucy to him, preparing to make her a vampire, he's killed when Grandpa crashes his truck through the wall of the house impaling Max on a wooden fence post, causing him to explode.
2: Well, you passed the test. Don't ever invite a vampire into your house, you silly boy. It renders you powerless. Did you know that? Of course. Everyone knows that.
1: Has everyone gone crazy here? What's the matter with all of you?
2: It was you I was after all along, Lucy. What? I knew if I could get Sam and Michael into the family. There's no way you could say no.
4: Where's Michael?
2: It was all going to be so perfect, Lucy. Just like one big, happy family. Your boys. And my boys. Great. The blood-sucking Brady Bunch. And I still want you, Lucy! Yeah. I haven't changed my mind about that. I didn't invite you this time, Max.
3: Star and Laddie then return to normal. Amongst all the carnage and chaos, Grandpa plays it cool, retrieving one of his root beers from the fridge. That's right, and saying one thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach all the damn vampires. <laughs> and so it's it like, okay. ends on a joke, yeah, <laughs> a frame. laugh, revealing that Grandpa knew about the vampires all along.
0: Seems to have a little bit of a career in Vampire Killing, maybe, with his skills at making giant-ass steaks.
3: It's a weird ending to the film. It's pretty abrupt. It asks the audience to make a lot of assumptions, because why would the grandpa just randomly drive through the side of his house? I know. He seemingly had to have known what was going on and was following it in some way. Which I guess is part of what caused... It has to be the implication. ...some of the audience to think that there's more going on with Grandpa than what we see, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, it it is a weird ending, I will say that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it because it's sort of <laughs> a goofy movie to begin with. I don't think that we need to really yeah. dissect it too much, but...
0: It goes back to what you said earlier about the lightning quick pace.
3: Yeah, we're just done now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably because Grandpa, although he is funny and he does have a few scenes, is not really like a huge factor in the movie. So having him just abruptly end come in, the head vampire, yeah. you're kind of thinking, what?
0: Comes in for the save.
3: But okay, that's fine. During the climax of the film, Edgar Frog states that when a vampire bites it, it's never a pretty sight. Some yell and scream, some go quietly, some explode, some implode, but all will try to take you with them. All the vampires follow these four deaths exactly. Marco, when staked by Edgar, screams as he dies. Paul dissolves in a bathtub of holy water, causing the plumbing in the house to implode on itself. Dwayne and Max blow up, and David dies very quietly and with minimal struggle. Yeah. Also, the movie did not originally end on a joke, as it does in the finished product. After the scene with Grandpa at the refrigerator, it was supposed to cut to the surviving Lost Boys regrouping in the sunken hotel. Who those would be, I guess that would be a different variation of the
0: script. Instead, they go with the some like it hot finish.
3: The last shot was of a mural on the wall made in the early 1900s with Max in it, looking exactly the same as he did in present times. Really?
0: He looked like a nerd back then?
3: (laughs) All of this appeared in an early draft of the script and ultimately was never filmed. So, one of the more popular theories with the Lost Boys is that Grandpa is either a half-vampire or an established vampire hunter himself.
0: Yeah, well, I was thinking more of the latter, but...
3: A vampire hunter? Yeah. Yeah, well, he seemingly has a lot of stakes around the house. Yeah, exactly. And different things to that effect. I think the half-vampire thing comes from... He's always wearing sunglasses. Oh, yeah. And... He's really into the killing of the animals for the taxidermy, so the root beer is actually animal blood, and that's why no one else is allowed to touch it. And he sustains himself with the animal blood, but never kills a human to go full vampire.
0: All right. There might be something to that. I
3: think that in the comics, they do sort of get into that material and connect it to the Widow Johnson, who's also supposed to be like a head vampire. You know, it gets into silly (laughs) shit like that. But yeah, that's definitely something that it's sort of fun to look into and look for clues and and read into a little bit more. Same with the sexuality stuff and the Rob Lowe poster and everything. There's like little signposts along the way, but you can also look at the lost boys as a metaphor for drug addiction. Oh yeah. Their attributes are sort of the same as junkies and things to that effect and getting lost and hard drugs and that whole process. But Ultimately, I think that The Lost Boys is iconic for a lot of reasons. I think that it stands out in queer cinema, but it's also a movie that people who probably are oblivious to those things don't really even pick up on or notice.
0: And it's still a fun watch for those people, I think.
3: Yeah, it's just a fun, goofy movie with a little bit of humor a little bit of sexiness, a little bit of blood, but not yeah. too much. It's not like gross, really.
0: It's stylized. It's fun.
3: I'm kind of bummed that The Lost Girls never came to fruition in the 90s. However, there were two straight-to-video follow-up films, which when you start going down that road, it's hard to really consider them in the same world as right The Lost Boys itself. American Psycho 2. Yeah, it is kind of like that. When we talked about Psycho, we addressed all the sequels, but 2 and 3 were at least released theatrically and had a certain quality. I can't really speak to these Lost Boys sequels because I didn't see them, but it definitely seems like they were not received well.
0: I do remember, I don't know if it was the second one or the third one, but when one of them came out, I really considered watching it. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Lost Boys The Tribe was released in 2008. Feldman and Newlander return as the Frog Brothers. There is a Corey Haim cameo as Sam. And then that was followed by Lost Boys, The Thirst in 2010. Feldman and Newlander are again in it. And that is it from the original movie. There have been multiple comic series as well, which I guess pick up the thread of the stories and sort of interweave all the different lore and go into more about Grandpa and all this other shit. Who knows? Who knows? In September 2021, a new film was announced to be directed by Jonathan Entwistle from a script by Randy McKinnon, starring Noah Jupe from A Quiet Place and Honey Boy, and Jaden Martell from Knives Out. He also played Bill Denbrow in It, the Ooh, 2017 yeah, that's right. So That's right. That was about a year ago. I don't know what's going on with it. It takes a little time. We'll see if it actually gets into production or not. It does seem like with the way everything is now and the whole world being remakes and reboots, I can't imagine that this won't exist in some form or fashion eventually. Yeah. But I'm surprised that they went with casting two male leads. I would have thought that they would have jumped on the Lost Girls idea and just immediately went in that direction. (laughs) I know.
0: It seems like it's an opportunity, but I don't know. I'm sure whatever version of it will be just some bland, watered-down, nothing unique or fun about it that just seems like what these things usually end up being
3: yeah i think the sad truth is that if we allowed these creative people the people that write scripts and direct films and come up with ideas to just do their own thing they would stumble on their own good ideas their own version of the lost boys which would be their own thing but the fact is that if you want to make money and exist in the business and have a career you get sucked into this shit and I don't think that their heart can really truly be in it in the same way every now and then you come across something good that's like a remake or whatever but it's just not the same because it's not their original idea they have to sort of go color within the lines a little bit to deliver a product that meets the criteria of being the Lost Boys or whatever Yeah.
1: what are you doing? What?
3: What? Vincent stopped making picks
2: Well how am I going to know what movies to see
3: We have a wide variety of Gene Jean picks
2: Gene's
1: trash
0: I'm Gene
3: Having said that, let's get to Recommendations Did you end up wanting to do one Or not do How's, one Let me
0: just do Eureka
3: Yeah but is that available to stream anywhere I can't I remember know, probably I think I had not, to
0: rent it. Yeah I've done streaming rentals before.
3: Okay. Well, go ahead. Talk about Eureka. (laughs) A movie that I'm sure everyone will love to watch.
0: Will you let me borrow it?
3: Well, I know, but...
0: (laughs) And it is cool. (laughs) It's a weird one, but it's fun as hell. Nicholas Rogue's whole thing is hard to kind of vibe with now after watching a few of these movies. Yeah. Don't Look Now I definitely think is unique in his filmography in terms of appeal.
3: Which is weird, because I don't know that that movie's all that appealing to most people. Okay,
0: maybe not, yeah. But Eureka...
3: Early 80s, Gene Hackman. Gene
0: Hackman, I was blanking on his name. Yeah, Gene Hackman playing this character who, through some deal with this woman at this mysterious brothel, strikes it rich by finding this gold.
3: Yeah, in Alaska or wherever. Yeah.
0: And then it, like, jumps forward in time.
3: Where, yeah, he's so rich that he bought an island or something. It's based off of a real guy, the general idea. Yeah, yeah. And what happens to him. And then it turns into this weird murder thing, and then there's, like, a trial. and
0: Pesci's in it, Mickey Rourke.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of random people in it.
0: Teresa Russell, of course, who's in every one of his movies, it seems.
3: Yeah, they were married for a while. Teresa Russell plays his daughter. It's very graphic yeah the the violence is insane is crazy even though it's very fake looking right but it's still like so over the top the way that
0: i'll just say the death sequence in the movie yeah is insane
3: yeah i really vibe with it for like the first 75 percent and then once you actually get to the trial stuff and yeah yeah. it keeps going for like 20 more minutes It's a little too long at the end yeah it kind of goes on but but it is
0: a really cool unique movie
3: yeah I guess it would be cool to recommend it just because I'm sure most people haven't heard of it. yeah it was a huge bomb. It didn't really <laughs> get any business in America. Its release was all fucked up because of it struggling to be rated r I think it at one point it was rated x because the violence. I was found too it weird. to
0: be a much easier watch than is it bad timing is that the what's the movie with Art Garfunkel? Yeah, yeah, but it's a cool one. It's weird.
3: Yeah, I think I like bad timing more, but it, it's not like a pleasant journey. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to recommend three picks that are on shutter streaming right now to get everyone in the Halloween mood. Hopefully, everyone's captured the spirit a little bit. The weather's definitely turned here, and we're recording this way in advance from when we're posting it, but it finally feels like fall official. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure.
0: Full on. It's weird, it just kind of was like 90 degrees and humid, and then the next day it was just fall, and now we're in it.
3: Yeah, and then in like two weeks, it'll just be freezing all the time. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to pick three. They're all over the map all as right. far as what they are. Matt was sitting here while I went through Shudder to <laughs> finalize my picks. I know that you've seen at least one of them because we watched it together. Sweet. The Blu-ray is kind of rare now and worth money, but it's available on Shudder, and I'm talking about a little picture called... Haco Lantern. That's
0: right. Yes, <laughs> which that is a good one.
3: Is definitely of that 80s VHS horror yeah. generation.
0: That time where you could go to Blockbuster or whatever video rental store, and the horror section was just all these bizarre movies and cases that seemingly disappeared after those stores closed down.
3: It came out in 1988. It's an hour and 27 minutes. I don't think it was even released in theaters. Really. It was directed by a guy named Jag Mahundra and stars High Pike as Grandpa. It's a weird satanic panic yes. movie of that era. There's weird nudity and cult stuff. and I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. I actually have watched it once a year probably for like the last three or four years. <laughs> There's something quaint and charming about it, Definitely. even though it's not what you would consider a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, for I, sure. I know
0: I had a blast when we watched it.
3: There's an extended metal music video sequence. That's right. It's like a dream. <laughs> yeah. Max dad from It's Always Sunny is sort of one of the leads of the film. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it must be good. So from The Ridiculous to The Sublime, I also recommend Carnival of Souls, which is streaming on Shudder as well. Carnival of Souls is from 1960. 19- Sixty-two, I believe. Let me double-check this.
0: Yeah, my only familiarity with this is just seeing the Blu-ray sitting out when we would go to the Barnes & Noble Criterion sales.
3: Yeah, it is a Criterion release. It's considered a cult classic. It's only an hour and 18 minutes, so you're in and out. After a traumatic accident, a woman becomes drawn to a mysterious abandoned carnival. <laughs> That's really the, the description. <laughs> there you go. But for 1962, it's very... Weird, okay. okay, it's very surreal in a way that most I don't movies know that weren't of movies by that weren't. time, yeah, because they weren't really to like hippies and that kind of stuff, really being an influence and the oh, counterculture yeah. later. It was directed by a guy named Herc Harvey, okay, who I'm not really super familiar with. Same here, but yeah, it's definitely a vibes movie. It's really weird, it all happy. right. And just fun to watch. That
0: makes me interested. I, I don't really think about vibe movies from 62 very often, so I'm in for it.
3: The last one, I believe, is a found footage film, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure, yes. Grave Encounters, also on Shudder, from 2011. It's one of those movies that didn't really get much of a release, didn't really get on people's radar a lot, but I think is sort of quietly built up a little bit of a following of people who have checked it out haunted hotel i mean haunted asylum or wherever they are and then it's a team trying to find ghosts or whatever and then things go horribly wrong
0: i know i was trying to remember if i saw this one i thought maybe i watched it with keith but it could have been something similar there's i know there's been a lot of these
3: yeah there is a sequel to this i have not seen the sequel it's sort of like a lot of other horror movies that take time to build up a reputation where you can sum it up best by saying better than expected. Sure. You look at it and even the little squares on the streaming services look cheap. You're thinking this looks like some kind of garbage or whatever. Uh-huh. But I will say there was some effective moments in it. You're not going to be blown away. It's not reinventing the wheel, but sufficiently scary and probably a movie that a lot of people haven't seen. So those would be my three. o Carnival of Souls, Grave Encounters. They're all streaming on Shudder, which if you don't have, is worth getting just for October.
0: I still have it. I always think about getting rid of it, but I can't bring myself to.
3: You just need to get into the habit of thinking, I'm going to check Shudder at least once a week or something and then pick something random.
0: One of the things that's great about horror movies is there's so many of them and they're all pretty short
3: <laughs> not all of them but most. No, of yeah them. yeah
0: i'm gonna give it a real run for october in fact you know what next time we do recommendations i'm gonna have some horror movies how about that
3: okay there wow. you go getting yeah. into the greatest october for once how about that people acting like you're yeah. excited about it based on nothing well <laughs>
0: <laughs> i've had to pull myself up recently
3: all right thanks for listening greatest october rolls on be on the lookout for a special Greatest October, give us a second, plus three more big time episodes before the end of the month. You can find us on Twitter at Greatest Pod and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. If you'd like a free sticker, as always, let us know, and we'll send that out to you. And find us on Letterboxd, Zach 1983, and Matt Crosby.
0: Yeah, check in in the comments, try to write back.
3: The comments on Letterbox. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: I get some interaction on there. All right. I don't think for people that know we do a show, but. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a secret show. Most people don't know about this podcast. Definitely, yeah. We like it that way. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>
2: Drone deep
4: About living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach. All the damn vampires.